You're listening to WRKE 100.3 LP FM Salem, streaming live online at WRKE.org and on the TuneIn app. Just search for WRKE. And now we are live once again. It is Jazzing It Up at Roanoke College with Kendall Land and your Roanoke College president, President Michael Maxey. Welcome back, Mr. Maxey. Good to see you, Kendall. It's nice to be back. Yeah, excited. I'm Excited for finals, more so for them to be over, ready for winter break and all that entails, and ready to get ready for the spring with you as well. But we're going to take it one step at a time here and just hit on what we have for the news from from November, Thanksgiving break onward to December, and we're going to cover just all that wintry action until we get into the spring show. And we're going to start off with the big news on campus that's been not even just on campus, but in the whole town of Roanoke and Salem, as Dr. Gary Hollis dominating in his Jeopardy debut. He won his opening round game in the Jeopardy Professors Tournament, cruising to a victory in which he didn't miss a question until final Jeopardy. Uh, Professor Gary Hollis, or Dr. Gary Hollis, said the experience that I had tonight at the watch party that we had at Colquitt was amazing. He also posted on his Facebook afterwards saying that Roanoke College is a wonderful community. I hope everyone at some point in your life has an experience like this. The whole room in Colquitt was cheering him on. He said he was overwhelmed. Family, friends, faculty, colleagues, former students, current students, church members, everybody, even golf buddies and fellow Pokemon Go players were there to cheer him on. And Dr. Gary Hollis is now scheduled to appear again on Jeopardy this Wednesday. President Maxey. Would you like to comment on this? Absolutely. I was there, Kendall. I was at the watch party and had such a blast. You know, it was. Uh, I looked on it as a victory for Dr. Hollis, but also a takedown of Roanoke College. We took down Vanderbilt and Penn State in the process of doing it because Dr. Hollis uh, took care of business. It was wonderful to be there at the party and hear the cheering for him, uh, the boos for his opponents. Um, it was uh, the most electric atmosphere I'd been in in a while. Oh, yeah, we're nothing but winners here at Roanoke College. And like I was telling you before we got on here, officially live on air, I have family members. I'm the only or the first family member to go to Roanoke College, but all my family members were Maroons that night. They are all watching all the way in Chesapeake, all the way in California, wherever there's a land or anyone in any relation to me in some form of capacity. They're cheering on Dr. Gary Hollis. I was cheering him on. I'm not even a Jeopardy fan, but... I found myself engaged like it was a NFL football game. It was awesome. Exactly. That's what it felt like. It felt like we'd gone to an athletic event uh, 
where we wanted to cheer wildly. And in the room there for the watch, it w that's what it was like. The cheering was, we raised the roof. Yeah. And I imagine it was electric because, like I mentioned earlier, he didn't miss a question until Final Jeopardy. You said he was getting all the pop culture questions right. You said you wouldn't get those right. I don't think I would get those questions right. So really a tip of the cap there to Dr. Gary Hollis, just like the title says, dominating in his Jeopardy debut, something he's been trying to be a part of for so long. Yeah, it was so much fun to have a life's ambition like that. It went back to his college days when he first became interested, and he stuck with it and, um, and was close several times. Uh, but there's a little bit of arbitrariness about how they pick people, and uh, but anyway, it finally worked out for him, and goodness knows he represented himself extremely well, and I think a lot of the cheering was because people liked Dr. Hollis so much. Yeah, and it's nice to see not just Dr. Gary Hollis get that national recognition, but Roanoke College as well. I mean, yeah, absolutely putting us on the map one step at a time with everybody that's here and a part of the college. Yep, that's how it was. Now, you also did something notable yourself, President Maxey. I saw that you received the, I think it's pronounced Kegley Preservation Reward for Stewardship of Historic Resources. You were one of eight individuals and organizations honored with that award from the Roanoke Valley Preservation Foundation. You received the Preservation Award for Heritage Education and Stewardship for spreading the renovation and restoration of multiple historic properties on our Roanoke College campus. So why don't you Tell us a little bit more about that. Elaborate on that for us. Sure. Well, Kendall, it was a surprise to me to be selected, uh, but what a great honor for the Roanoke Valley Historical Foundation, Preservation Foundation to select uh, me along with those other notable people. One interesting part about all this was uh, the Kegley name for the awards uh, comes from a Roanoke College alumnus. George Kegley uh, finished here in the 40s and is still active in preserving historical uh, features and historical artifacts and buildings around the Roanoke Valley. Um, so it, to be associated with George Kegley is an honor by itself, but um, it was nice uh, to be selected for it. A lot of other people did all the hard work and I got the recognition, which is never fair, <laughs> uh, but it was really a great honor to be uh, selected for this. and. You know, I, it was something that's always been important to me is historic preservation. I'm, I'm a believer in uh, remembering your past. I always like what Faulkner said, the past is not dead, it's not even past. And so I'm a big believer in that, and so this was a, a great honor, and I, I was very touched to be selected. Yeah, definitely, and congratulations, too. I don't know if I said that in the opening for that. Definitely a very prestigious award. And one more question. For that, a follow-up question I have, how much of that, how much of your contributions were aimed towards, I forget the name of the building, but the building we talked about last time, Monter I think it was Monterey Monterey, House, that's and right. And how haunted it is. Uh, well, we talked about whether it was haunted or not. I don't think that had anything to do with the award, Kendall. <laughs> I'm a believer in the hauntedness, but <laughs> definitely a fan of preserving that because it gives us something to talk about here, and it's one of the many attractions that you were working to preserve and promote about Roanoke College, continuing your well, good they work. Were, they, were, they really were uh, struck by our uh, designation of the uh, plaques on the front of the administration building for the enslaved workers who helped build the administration building. You know, they, they uh, fired the bricks and, and did the masonry work on the ad building and then did plaster work on uh, Miller and and Trout and so uh, that was part of it too to recognize those folks which was an easy thing for me to do and others again did all the work but it just felt like it was the right thing to do to remember the forgotten people that helped make us who we are today. Yeah I'm glad you mentioned that because I did not know that actually and I know that's been a topic of discussion with me and my group around here like this this college is so old the hard reality is some of these buildings and a lot of the groundwork here was built by slaves. And to be able to honor them and give them that recognition, even though they've passed now, but to not make what they did be in vain is great. So thank you for that, because I really appreciate that, because that's definitely something that about Roanoke College, it's just like, man, that's just the hard reality, because that's, that's the time it was when this college was built. But to be able to try to 
make some progress towards that is great, and I'm glad you did that. Well, thank you, Kendall. It's important for a college to be honest and tell the truth and to search for truth in all the ways it can. And this was an opportunity here where we, the college never owned a slave. The college didn't. Uh, but lots of people associated with the college, including administrators and faculty and trustees and donors, they did. And so uh, part of how we became who we are was from these uh, workers who were never recognized and, and had to live in an enslaved way. Um, so it was a great right thing to do to recognize them and remember them. Yeah, for sure. And now we're going to continue this trend of winning for Roanoke College, because that's what we are. We're winners, and I like to gloat. I don't know about you, President Maxey, but if we're winning, we might as well talk about it. And Dr. Darwin D. Jorgensen actually won the 2021 Golden Anniversary Monograph Award. Dr. Jorgensen, who is a Thornhill professor of biology at Roanoke College, received the award on November 20th from the National Communication Association. Jorgensen actually shares that award with his wife, Dr. Cheryl R. Jorgensen Earp, a communication studies professor over at the University of Lynchburg, not too far from here. And they won it for their article, To Fly Under Borrowed Colors. That was published in 2020. I read up a little bit about that, talking about demographics and colors and in the classroom and college and everything. And I actually just did a presentation for my own communications class about color in the classroom. So it was really interesting to see that relevance for me, how it kind of mashed up together in the timeline. What do you know about that award and the Jorgensen family's work? Sure, well, I know both Jorgensons. They're both excellent professors. It just so happens that this is the final semester for each of them. So they've had these brilliant careers uh, for many, many years, her at Lynch, University of Lynchburg and uh, Dr. Jorgensen here at Roanoke. And to win an award like this, this monograph award, and the recognition for it is extremely prestigious and a great capstone for uh, both of them. So I'm happy for them and, again, honored to be associated with people who can achieve at that level. To have that chosen as the top monograph uh, from the professional association is a, I indeed a high honor. Yeah, for sure. Just Roanoke College continuing to contribute on that national level and showcasing the prestigious university that it is. Someone else who built to that Roanoke College legacy was Reverend Dr. John Pat Keister, if I pronounce that right. It's Keister. Keister. Yeah, you're close. Keister. I'm getting there. My pronunciation's getting a little bit better. Um, he was actually Roanoke College's first uh, chap chaplain. Yeah, chaplain. Chaplain. Yeah. He, he passed away, though, unfortunately, at the age of 94. The Reverend was his nickname, class of 50. He served in a variety of roles at Roanoke College over the years. He died in his home in Strasburg, Virginia, on November 24th. And like I said, he was age 24. He was our first chaplain from 1963 to 1979, so a lot of longevity there. Yes, long run. Yeah, and during his time here, he did a lot of great things for the college, served in many roles as well, including instructor of religion, director of special events, registrar and dean of the summer session of the Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary Graduate School at Renwick College, lots of words there, and he was superintendent of the summer assembly of the Virginia Synod. So President Maxey, would you like to comment on Dr. Pat Kirster? Yes. Or Keister? Yes, they, people called him Pat. Um, uh, he, he was uh, Pat Keister. He, as you said, Kendall, he graduated from Roanoke and then returned to be our first chaplain. Um, that, so he's a groundbreaker, a pioneer in that respect and served the college well. I went up to see him a few years ago in Strasburg and had a nice visit with him. He still loved the college, wanted to ask me all kinds of questions about how things were today and what the chaplaincy was like. Um, he also had a grandson that went to school here and graduated uh, about a half a dozen years ago. I'm not sure exactly what year, uh, but he was awfully proud of his grandson and the fact that he'd come to Roanoke. And so he had a lifelong love of Roanoke College, and it's a great loss. Um, uh, but boy, did he live a great life, and a lot of it was dedicated to Roanoke. Yeah, definitely inspiring, especially at this Lutheran college that we are. A lot of people don't know that 
the official, I guess you would say the official religion of Roanoke College is Lutheran. It's a Lutheran school. It's not really pushed onto the students, but that's a big part of the school and what it is, what it used to be. And I don't think a lot of that could have been possible without the reverend. I never had the opportunity to meet him, but he sounded like a great man. And may he rest in peace. And I'm glad his legacy is going to be honored here, continued here with his grandson and maybe even his great-grandchildren one day. That's right. Who knows? And I will tell you, Kendall, he lived in one of the prettiest places in Virginia, up in Strasburg, down under a place called Signal Knob. Um, it was just a gorgeous place, and so that's where I visited with him, and I'll always think of him and that place uh, when I remember him. Definitely good to remember him by, for sure. And then the last thing we're going to talk about here at Jazzing It Up at RC with President Maxey before we take our little halftime break is going to be the new issue of Roanoke College Magazine. So the magazine came out, and it's talking about the lessons that Lauren Laporte class of 08 learned as a softball standout here at Roanoke College that fueled her success to this day if you don't know who she is well she is now the head coach of James Madison University's softball team that softball team gained some recognition last year because she guided them through not only just a remarkable 2021 season but they also made a first-time appearance in the women's college world series in Oklahoma City true underdogs she credited the hard lessons learned at Roanoke College for their success, calling it, quote, handling the hard. And she said that she loved everything about Roanoke. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that they don't. Everyone just has nothing but good things to say about Roanoke. And then she went on to say it was a good place for her, and it really set her up for her future and her success at James Madison University. President Maxey, I know you're a sports fan. We talked a little bit about baseball in our first show. We talk about the Red Sox all the time. Softball, not quite baseball, but definitely on the same spectrum or dimension, I would say, of the sports world. And then, of course, Roanoke College being integrated into that with Laporte. What would you like to say about this and her great success, not at Roanoke College, but at James Madison as well? Yes, Kendall, we were excited to follow her and her team at JMU. Uh, you know, it's not a usual thing to have another sports team recognized by Roanoke College, but this achievement of what she did with that team at James Madison is surely worth it. Um, she was a great softball player herself. I remember watching her play and admired her. Uh, she, was, she was there in some very successful years here at Roanoke College. I'm sure she learned from those experiences on her way to the success at JMU. So. Um, I'm excited for her. It was always uh, a good thing to recognize Roanoke alums when they achieve at that national level. She did it, and so it's great to, uh, to notice that and to hold her up as an example of all the things a Roanoke graduate can do. Yeah, that truly is just telling another story, yet another story that we see all the time here at Roanoke of alumni going on to do great things. This whole little first half of the show was talking about the great things that people at Roanoke College are doing or have done. And I just also want to add something that I saw that was particularly interesting. It wasn't as recent as this with JMU and Laporte, but I remember seeing an article about someone from Roanoke College who was part of our communications program who actually made it on the one of the biggest stages of sports working at ESPN. You bet. Tell me a little bit about that. Refresh my memory because we're on the sports theme here. And once again, it's Roanoke College alumni doing big things for the college. Well, Kendall, I'm going to forget the name. I have an excuse. I'm an old guy and you're not. So <laughs> we'll have to dig it out here during our break and see who it was. But, uh, you know, that's just an example. I, one of the things that I always like about Roanoke because I feel like it can take you as far as you want to go. Um, you know, the fact that we've won 20 Fulbrights in the last seven years. These are people, we're competing with Harvard and Yale and Stanford and University of Texas and Chicago and everything else. And here our people stand up in that kind of competition that's an uh, opportunity to do things internationally. So I'm not surprised that Roanoke College people do that because I'm just a big believer that Roanoke can get you as far as you want to go in life. Yeah, I, I believe that myself. Before coming here, I didn't really know a whole lot about Roanoke College and what everyone goes on to do here and what Roanoke College can do for you, but I've just been pleasantly surprised and shocked, really, at what 
you can do here at Roanoke College, and it's really inspiring for all the students like myself to see what the alumni are doing and saying, hey, they were doing the exact same thing that I'm doing 10, 15, 20 years ago, whatever it may be. I just have to keep pushing, especially through finals week when it seems hard. Yep, just keep yep. pushing and you'll get there. Finals week is a good week to remember that, but uh, Roanoke College grads punch way above their weight, Kendall. They make a big influence on the world and um, hopefully the college is part of that and the people that graduate from here are part of that and it works together well to make great things happen. Yeah, I, I'm a believer. I think it'll happen. Yep. I think it'll continue to happen. I'm a believer too, obviously. <laughs> so we're going to take our little halftime break, and when we come back, we're first going to talk about how one of our own Roanoke College students that's here now actually had the opportunity to meet not the president, but the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris. We'll be back with that story here at Jazzing It Up at Roanoke College with Kendall Land and President Maxey. You're listening to WRKE 100.3 LPFM Salem, streaming live online at WRKE.org and on the TuneIn app. Just search for WRKE. Mixing it up since 2006, we are commercial-free WRKE, streaming at 100.3 FM and WRKE.org.
Your alternative choice in the Roanoke area, WRKE 100.3, Salem, and streaming live at WRKE.org. WRKE, a service of Roanoke College.
All right, we are back here for Jazzing It Up at Roanoke College with Kendall Land and President Maxie, and we're going to start off with talking about that student that we mentioned who met the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris. That student was Isabel, or as her friends call her, Izzy, Mac. Her internship in Washington, D.C. got a little more exciting on a Saturday morning trip to the Eastern Market where she met the Vice President. She said that very few people knew she was there, so there wasn't a huge line of people trying to talk to her or anything. Most people were walking right by without even recognizing it was her. Now, President Maxie, I've got two questions for you here. Number one, what do you think about this encounter? And number two, have you ever had any run-ins with some famous public figures? for Izzy. I thought that was great. I was uh, so impressed that she had the uh, composure to go up and talk with the vice president and ask if she could take a photo with her. And uh, the vice president was gracious and offered to do that for her. So that's part of the advantage of doing the D.C. Se uh, semester is being up there where all the action is for politics. And uh, so she was there and part of it and got to see a significant political figure. So that was a great thing. Um, I'm trying to think of who I've run into. When we lived in New Hampshire, we used to see a bunch of the Red Sox when we'd go down to Boston to watch a game. We'd go out to eat afterwards, and uh, we saw all kinds of famous Red Sox players, Freddie Lynn and, and Jim Rice and Carl Yastrzemski and wow. old names. Um, you might remember some of them from reading about them, but uh, they were famous guys. And Yastrzemski was a Triple Crown winner one year, so we were really excited to see him. One of the greatest ever. Yep, that's right. And then I went to school at Wake Forest and saw Tim Duncan and Muggsy Bogues. Uh, Tim Duncan was one of the great basketball players of all time, of oh, yeah. course. And Muggsy Bogues was uh, a five foot three, one of the best basketball players of all time. So I've talked with both of them, and that was a lot of fun too. That must have been cool. Um, I'll, I'll follow that up with. I want to say about the, the vice president encounter, I don't think I would have the guts like uh, Miss Mack did to ask for that photograph because you've got all the Secret Service members around. And, yeah, your intentions are pure, but I feel like they ha they're, they're trained to treat everything as a threat. Sure. So especially with me, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm six foot five. Walking over there, I feel like I would be – treated as a threat and I just wouldn't want to do it maybe I'm more of a coward than I should be but I would be too scared to do that I would just be like yeah I saw the president from 50 feet away yeah well, good, for, good for her for for uh, overcoming any reluctance that she had that's a great thing but Kendall I can tell that you'd probably have more chutzpah than you're giving yourself credit for I think <laughs> you'd, I think you'd go up there and and uh, and you'd win them over with your uh, your smile maybe I would Definitely have to do a lot of uh, self-reflecting in there, trying to make myself confident. I'd have that internal monologue going on in my head, and maybe it would happen, or maybe I would be too focused on getting myself the courage to go do it that the vice president would have already went home by then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who knows? That can happen. Yeah, definitely. He, he who hesitates is lost, right? Right. <laughs> Now, in other news with Roanoke College, we're actually involved now with another university, that is the West Virginia University, University of West Virginia. Roanoke College students who graduate here with a bachelor's degree in economics with at least a 3.25 GPA overall are guaranteed admission to the economics program at West Virginia University. Additionally, WVU will waive that application fee and the GRE slash GMAT requirement. Any interested students or anyone seeking more information can direct questions to Dr. Cassens at K-A-S-S-E-N-S -S -S at Roanoke.edu. That's Cassens at Roanoke.edu. But unlike those interested students, I'm going to direct my questions to you, President Maxey. Ready, Kendall. I'm ready. Okay. So... First off, I want to ask you, who was a big part in getting this deal done, and do we have any other deals like this for students that aren't economic majors? Maybe a student like myself who's trying to go to Syracuse after graduation or anything else like that. Yeah, well, I think Dr. Cassens gets the uh, 
credit for, for this uh, relationship with WVU. What an endorsement of the program to get in based on a 3.25 from Roanoke, but not have to take any GREs. That's mm -hmm. a, quite a statement that they have so much confidence at WVU and their graduate programs for our graduates. So um, that's a great thing. Um, I don't know of others that are off the top of my head, but you know the college has such a good reputation um, at all kinds of places. We've had so many people go to uh, the medical schools in Virginia and do really well. The ones, everything from the uh, local medical school here to VCU and MCV and the VIA school and UVA, and our graduates have done really well, so they've sort of paved the way for other graduates to to, to try to do things like that. Same is true for law schools. Lots of folks have gone on to law school from here. And so Roanoke College, uh, you wear the Roanoke College badge, it's going to get you in the door very often. Definitely. And I want to say about Roanoke College regarding this program among the other programs and how much they do for students, I guess I should say, and how they aren't just looking to help them while they're here, looking to help them when they're not here which was something I didn't really know that I didn't know. I don't think many universities do. I went to community college before here. Community college was that place to push you to the next step. That's their whole agenda. But then when I got to Renner College, I was like, yeah, Renner College is going to be trying to help me thrive here. But I never really thought about the next step. And I yeah. haven't seen it anywhere else because upon coming here, I didn't really know anybody here. So it was just a completely new world to me. And to see Roanoke College doing that same promotion and trying to help their students like my community college did is definitely speaks volumes of the school and the people that we have here. Absolutely. You know, about three or four years ago, we had two students in one class uh, go to Harvard professional schools. One went to Harvard Law, one went to Harvard Med, uh, all in one year. And so um, those are preeminent places, obviously. And our students are competing for places there. So that's a really good sign. And uh, part of what we want to do here, what I want to do, is to make sure students can get where they want to go and, um, and to achieve the things they want to achieve and to make the world a better place while they're doing it. So that's the whole purpose of being here is to get you to where you want to go. Yeah, and it's worked so far, and I don't see why it wouldn't work in the future. Um, now we're going to shift our conversation here, President Maxey. We're going to think about the holiday spirit now. First off, I want to talk about Dickens of a Christmas. We touched on that a little bit when we were off the air. It's in downtown Roanoke. I think the third and final part of Dickens of a Christmas would be this Friday in downtown Roanoke. Now, you said you haven't had the chance to make it out there yet. Will you be there this Friday? We might go down this Friday. It's a great event. I mean, you, you were there, right, Kendall? Yeah, it was very, very packed, very popular. The uh, events they had going on there, the parade was really popular. I saw um, one one man, he actually made the mistake of parking on the street during the parade, and then he tried to get out during Ooh, the parade. Oh, gosh. So what I imagine mistake. that was a nightmare for him. Yeah. Um, there's well, lots of concessions. It's a fun event. We've gone to yeah. it before, and I love, love going down there. Uh, we went down Saturday morning to uh, run a couple errands and, um, and had a, a great time. So the Dickens of a Christmas is uh, festive. Can't help but get in the Christmas spirit by going there, can you? No, you can't, which – brings us perfectly to our next topic of conversation what are your favorite holiday and christmas traditions not just traditions with the family at the house but what do you do on christmas eve do you have any favorite christmas movies or sure. something you all do as a family like maybe i'll wear ugly christmas sweaters <laughs> well i don't have an ugly christmas sweater but no. uh, I, I feel like I've let you down on that one, Kendall. You but have. <laughs> we we do uh, we usually have other families over on Christmas Eve, and Mrs. Maxie always makes lasagna, and I usually make oyster stew, and then we have all kinds of other things to go with that, and then we have these other families with us to enjoy it and have our boys at home. And then we go to uh, College Lutheran Church to a, a candlelight service, um, where we end up singing Silent Night is the last hymn that we sing that night. That's a wonderful thing to be part of. And 
and then we go home and and uh, wrap everything that we haven't wrapped yet for tomorrow. So mm-hmm. that's our Christmas Eve. What's yours like? Well, I'm not Lutheran. I'm Catholic. So before COVID, we would always go to Mass on uh, Christmas Eve. I think there was two Masses. We would go to the earlier one at night when we were younger. And then as we've gotten older, we would go to the Midnight Mass, which was I, th- I think I prefer the Midnight Mass. It feels more Christmassy to me. Um, we always do a big family dinner because my family is big. It's just seven of us in our household alone with wow. uh, my four siblings. And then now that we're all getting older, we all have like, partners now. Like my, my sister has a fiancé now. My other sister has a boyfriend. So I'm sure at least one of them will be joining us. And then we actually go to um, Kabuki. I don't know if you've ever been to Kabuki. Oh, yeah, that's fun. What a fun thing to do Christmas Eve. Yeah, I don't know how it got started at Kabuki because I don't think that's really a traditional Christmas meal, but we go there Christmas Eve with um, my best friend and his family. Our families are really close, and we do that, and then, yeah, that's pretty much as far as it goes for Christmas Eve, and then we also try to watch a lot of Christmas movies. We watch a lot of Charlie Brown and Peanuts, and then we watch yep. uh, the Santa Claus movies yep. with uh, Tim Allen. Yep. Well, there's. I'll tell you some uh, run-up college trivia bit. There's a movie, the original version of Miracle on Four, 34th Street. You know, there are two versions of it, but the original one stars a run-up college alum. Really? John Payne is his name. He grew up here and uh, went to school here and then took off and made it in Hollywood pretty big. And uh, so that's one you should look for, the original version of Miracle on 34th Street. But my personal favorite, it will always be It's a Wonderful Life. I just think that's a great movie and a great story, and it's well acted, and it's a good reminder of what's important in life. Yeah, I think you told me to watch that movie last time we were together, so yep. I, I definitely have to jot that down and see I'm it. I'm sorry I'm re- recommending it twice, but it's that good, <laughs> Kendall. I'll take your word for it, and we'll come back in the springtime, and I'll give you my review. We'll I'll, have a I'll look critique. forward to it. <laughs> now, as far as actual Christmas Day goes, do you stay in Roanoke and celebrate here, or do you all travel elsewhere to see other family? We do a little of both. Um, we um, will stay here this year. And our boys will come to us, and my new grandson will come to see us. And so he's seven months old now. And wow, congratulations. I'm sure he'll be the center of attention. <laughs> um, and so that'll, that'll be fun. We'll have everybody there. And then uh, my in-laws, Mrs. Maxie's uh, mom and sisters, come to see us the day after Christmas. That's always a lot of fun. They're a blast to be with. And our boys are still here, so we have kind of two or three days. And... Uh, we'll go visit a few family members. We used to go to my dad's house, but my uh, he's no longer with us, and so uh, we don't have his house to go to. But I'll see my brother and sister this coming Sunday, I guess it is. and So we'll go to Winston-Salem and see them. They're, we'll all congregate there. Yeah, that sounds like a good time and a good all-around Christmas. Yep, it's, it's fun. Tell me about your Christmas day. Yeah, well, we, we try to stay in Roanoke for the first – for the morning – and then we usually head on over to Bedford, not too far away from here, to see my grandparents on my mother's side. And then we come back and fall asleep at 7 o'clock, <laughs> if not earlier. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a long but exciting, fun day, isn't it? But it does tire you out. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite days of the year, though. My least favorite days of the year, though, I'm sure many students can agree with me, these coming days here at Roanoke College exam, exam days. Oh yeah. my gosh, Kendall! I'm. I want to say I'm ready for it, but you always have that little bit of doubt, and you feel like you're not ready. So, President Maxey, what advice would you give to other Maroons like myself, who are preparing for these exams, and any last-minute advice really to help us get through this week before we head off campus for winter break? Well, I think the best advice I could give anybody right now is to take care of yourself. Um, that means to stay healthy and rested as best you can. It's awfully tempting to do things like stay up all night. That just never makes any sense because none of us are at our best after that. Um, so uh, take care of yourself and uh, work as hard as you can, but uh, work smart. 
and be sure that uh, uh, you, you, you don't overextend yourself and end up uh, not doing your best because you don't feel your best. That's definitely sound advice, and that's, that's what I've heard, too, from uh, some other professors. Like, there's no point in staying up late at night because at that point you're really just hurting yourself more than you're helping yourself. You know, I think so. A couple times in college, I have to confess, Kendall, I did stay up all night, and uh, I'm not sure that it accomplished anything other than make me feel miserable. Yeah, the only time I've ever done that, I remember it was my very first semester of college. I had a calculus exam, and I, I was a pretty good math guy, but I, you can be overprepared, and I did not know that at the time. And I just stayed up late. I was just overpreparing. I get there in the morning. It's an early class, and just bomb the test. And yeah. Well, you get the kind of a brain freeze almost if yeah. you're too tired, don't you think? Definitely, and it's something that, no matter how good you are at the subject, it's still going to get you because I was good and I did good for the rest of the semester. But that over-preparation and staying up late just killed me. Yeah. Yep. Definitely was not beneficial. Well, it's a, it's a hard task to take on exams and have them um, over a one-week period. It's tough on, it, on everybody, and um, I appreciate that, but I hope everybody takes good care of themselves and – um, and eats right, sleeps right, go on a walk or go run or go to the fitness center for a little while. To, uh, I, I think it makes you, you, you do better. You, it makes you focus better, makes you concentrate better. And so I'm a big believer in a healthy life. Yeah. And part of a healthy life is laughter. So that's going to take us into our final segment here in actually the year 2021 because the next time we have this show will be 2022. And that's our dad joke segment. You told me you would match me with your dad jokes. It was one of the first things you said to me upon my arrival here today. So <laughs> I'm going to let you go first, President Maxey, with your dad jokes. What do you have for us okay, today? Okay, well, for those of you who like dad jokes, I'm happy to provide these. For those of you who hate dad jokes, I apologize in advance. <laughs> so we'll look at it that way. But, Kendall, I thought we'd be topical on my first one. Okay. And my dad joke for you is a riddle. Okay. And it's, why do pine trees not get vaccinations? Hmm. The answer, Kendall, is because they always drop their needles. Ah, I feel like I should have gotten that one. <laughs> these, these just leave you feeling silly because <laughs> you're, so, you're so far away, but you also feel so close. Yes, well, you got me on several last time, so um, don't feel bad about it. <laughs> Were you ready for another one? I'm ready. All right, this is a good one. This one made me laugh hard. Okay. Um, how does a butcher introduce his wife? Introduce his wife. Introduce his wife. How does the butcher introduce his wife? Is it something with liking them to meet his <laughs> wife? Meet Patty. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll Very take good, the 50%. Kendall. You, you know, we'll give you sixty uh, percent credit on that one. I'll take that too. <laughs> that one made me laugh. I, don't, I hope it does somebody else. Well, well, let's stay with food for a second here. Um, have you heard the rumors, Kendall, about butter and margarine? No, I haven't. Well, if you haven't heard them, I'm not going to spread them. <laughs> that was that was a good one. That was a good one. I like that one. Good. You want to do one of yours? I've got three. Okay. Are you all capped out on yours? I'm not. I'm not tapped out. Let's let's swap here for a little while. All right. I'll give you my first two, and I'll save okay. mine for the very last. I'll one. I'll put on my thinking one. cap. Okay. Now mine are more holiday themed. Good. What do you call a bankrupt Santa? A bankrupt Santa would be a. Uh, uh, I give up, Kendall. Saint. Nicholas. Oh, very nice. I like that one. That I was, like that, too. That was the one popping out at me when I quickly searched it here today. Yep, good one. Number two, how much did Santa pay for his sleigh? Um, I don't know. Nothing. It was on the house. <laughs> very nice. I that, like that one. That's a good one. All right, you got any more for me, President Maxwell? Yeah, let me, let me hit you here. All right, this has nothing to do with Christmas, Kendall, okay. but what country's capital is growing fastest? Um, 
What country's capital? I feel like capital is not related to population, but I don't know. You could be right. Well, the answer is Ireland because every day it's Dublin. <laughs> there you go. That, that's a good one. That's a good one. And this is a college one, so this is for uh, all the math professors out there. Where do math professors go on vacation? Hmm. Can't say I know this one either. They prefer to go to Times Square. Oh, gosh. That's a bad one, isn't it? That's so bad that it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the uh, – what do you know what you call Batman when he gets hurt? What do I call Batman when he gets hurt? See, I'm, I'm a big uh, superhero fan, so I feel like I should get this one, but I, I, I'm, I'm lost here too. Okay, we call Batman when he's hurt. We call him Bruised Wayne. <laughs> That's a good one too. Good, good. All right, you got another one there? Yeah, I got my last one. Okay. Which hand is the best to light the menorah with? Um, I don't know. Well, President Maxie, it's neither. It's best to light the menorah with a candle. <laughs> you got me. You got me. You got me. That was my favorite one. Yep, that's good. Well, here's my last one for you, or maybe next to last anyway. Uh, what do you call a camel with no humps? A camel with no humps. It's not a horse, is it? No, you'd call him a Humphrey. Humphrey. <laughs> okay. I, maybe maybe I better quit while I'm behind, Kendall. I'll take that last one. I want to hear it. <laughs> I'm I'm ready for All it. All right, let's see. Uh, if you see a crime at the Apple Store, does that make you an eyewitness? <laughs> it's not really a riddle. That's just a statement. I like that one, yeah. especially with all the i-whatever's coming out. Like you betcha. You got the i-tag or whatever now. iPad, iPod, eyewitness. Eyewitness. I love it. So that's all for our show here today. Thank you so much, President Maxie. We'll be back at some point in January or early February. Those dates are still to be determined, but they will still be on Sundays at 8 o'clock. Thank you for having me, Kendall. It's been great being here. I wish everybody a good break. Um, however you observe this holiday, if it's Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or uh, whatever. I hope this is a restful, peaceful time with the people you love. Um, and so I hope everybody makes it through exams just fine and gets home and uh, can be with their loved ones. So see you in January. Yep, see you all in January once again. Thank you, President Maxey. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And have a safe and fun winter break. We will be back for the spring semester here at Jazzing It Up at RC with Kendall Land and President Maxey. Good night. WRKE, recommended by seven out of nine earcologists. Look it up. WRKE at WRKE.org and on the air at 100.3 in Salem.